Okay, right. We are going to look at Luke 22. So if you'd, love, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Luke 22, and we're going to carry on our series um, in Luke. And uh, we have got to the point in the story. For those who don't know, Luke is, is like a kind of biography of Jesus' life. It was written by one of his disciples, a man called Luke, who was a doctor. So as you can imagine, it's quite kind of... Um, you know, uh, very factual, very factual account, very accurate. It's a great account of Jesus's life. And uh, we've got to the point now where we're in Jesus's final week or final days, hours, really, if you like. And uh, it's coming to the, to the point where he is soon to be arrested, tried and um, executed, crucified. And so, um, the, as we heard last week from Tom, um, the Jewish nation are celebrating the Passover festival. They're getting ready to celebrate the Passover festival, which is a festival that commemorates when um, the Israelites who were in slavery in Egypt were set free from slavery uh, by God and by, through a man called Moses. And I won't go into all the details. Um, if you want to read more about that, you can read it in the book of Exodus in the Bible. And uh, Jesus has, has instructed the disciples to go and find a room and uh, go and prepare the Passover festival meal. So that's what they're doing. They're all, if you imagine the scene, they're all kind of sitting there or probably in those days kind of lounging around maybe on, you know, like this, I don't know. And uh, just be, getting ready to eat their meal, okay, and getting ready to commemorate this, in, this amazing event in, in, the, in um, Jewish life. And so if you look at chapter 22, verse 14, and I'll read, I'll read it to you. So we're going to read to verse 20. So, and when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruits of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had been eating, had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So, here in this passage, we have the first account, if you like, of uh, the, the, this thing that we call communion, okay, or the Lord's Supper. Some churches will call it the Lord's Supper. And uh, in his lifetime, Jesus instituted two instructions or ordinances, or some churches call them sacraments. Um, and the first one was baptism. Baptism, which was to be observed once in your life as a Christian, as a sign of commitment to Jesus. So that's when we would fully, we fully submerse people in water, bring them up again as a sign of their old life being washed away and then coming up as new, in new life. And, uh, and the other one was the Lord's Supper, was communion. And uh, this was to be repeated um, throughout our Christian lives as a celebration of our fellowship with Jesus. And uh, you know, we know that the early church um, took communion. There's a whole section of, about it in Corinthians, which I'll be referring to later. So we carry on uh, taking communion on a regular basis. And growing up in 
various churches, um, I remember as a child sitting there thinking to myself when communion was taken, why is everyone so serious? It's almost like they kind of put on their communion game faces, you know, it's kind of very serious. And I remember saying to my dad once, can I join in? You know, is this for children? Is it just for adults only? You know, what, what's going on here? And, and actually, since this event that I've just read about has, was recorded in the Gospels, the church has often had much debate and in some cases much confusion over what is communion, what is the Lord's Supper, you know, who, how, how should we celebrate it, who should take it, how do we, you know, how do we celebrate it, even um, do certain behaviours exclude people from taking communion. And for some here, maybe this is your first time here this morning or you've been coming for a few weeks, maybe you've never taken communion. Or maybe in this church, this is the first time that you've ever kind of experienced what this, this thing is, you know, fiddling around with these little cups, you know, trying to open them. What, what is this all about? And this morning, what I want to do is look at what is Jesus saying here. He's instituting something that is really important and I want to look at what is he saying here? What's the meaning of this? What's the significance of this? What is he encouraging us to do as his followers? So verse 19. So we, we read that Jesus took some bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm reading a book at the moment. I like history. I'm reading a book called A History of the World in a Hundred Objects. Okay, it's a great book, very interesting. It marks kind of landmark events, landmark discoveries. Um, and every now and then, an object or, event or an event will come up that historians or um, sociologists or scientists or anthropologists, people with important titles, say this is the most important thing in history. So, you know, the cultivation of crops, or writing, or the steam engine, or the World Wide Web. But I want to say this morning, I want to just put it out there this morning, that the most important event in history is and was the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus was a real person. He was a real person who really suffered for us. He was fully human, and he was fully God. And this was a real event. And when we partake in the Lord's Supper, when we take communion, it's not some weird kind of spiritual thing that we're doing here. You know, our Western culture is kind of into its weird spirituality, isn't it? You know, anything that's a bit spiritual, it's not that at all, actually. It's not here to give us a good feeling. It's not here as a mystical or magical thing. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is a real event, is to remember a real event and to mentally take ourselves back to it. To take ourselves back to a, a real person who was really crucified, real blood, real suffering, real pain, real death, and real resurrection. The cross is the crux of the matter. Now, for those who know their Latin, crux means cross in Latin. It's no mistake that that phrase uses that word. It is the crux of the matter, the pivotal moment in history where mankind is rescued, 
where we are saved from the sin that separates us from knowing God. We've heard about this relationship, this knowing God this morning in worship. This is the moment where we are saved from that and we can know God. Our relationship with God is restored. The writer of, there's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. I'd recommend it. If you haven't read it, I'd recommend reading it. It's a great book. Probably written by a man called King Solomon, who was the, um, the son of King David. And uh, he was a very rich man, a very influential man. He had everything, literally everything. And he, in this book, he describes what life has to offer. He talks about riches. He talks about fame. He talks about power. He talks about relationships. He talks about wisdom. He talks about intellect. He describes the good and the bad, the passings of seasons. He describes the rhythms of life. And his conclusion at the end of it all is this. This is what he says. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Knowing God is what we are here for. We are created to know God, to have relationship with God. This is our purpose. And as I was preparing this, I I really believe there's some people here this morning who have struggled with the thoughts, what is my point? What is the purpose of my life? What What is my point? Why am I here? You know, I was commented to my wife the other day, you know, just, I saw someone walking down the street and I just thought, what is the point of that person, Corrie? <laughs> I don't mean that in a rude way. <laughs> Seven billion people in this world, that one girl walking down the street, what is her point? We can get lost, can't we? There's, we can just get lost in the crowd. And I believe there's people here this morning who feel that. You're nobody, you're lost. What's my purpose? What's my point? Well, I want to tell you this morning that you have purpose, and that purpose is to know God. And it takes pressure off. The world's attitude is push yourself forward. Be someone. Do do this. Do that. Well, actually, no, it's not. That isn't the answer. The answer is simply to know God, to have relationship with God. Everything else is superfluous. Everything else is secondary. And the only way we can get to know God is through faith in Jesus and what he has accomplished on the cross. On the cross, Jesus took our sin. He took our punishment so that we could be made right with God, so that we could know him. And the Bible describes that as we come to God now, we put our faith in Jesus, we are covered by Jesus' righteousness. And God looks at us, pardons our sin, and relationship is restored. And Jesus commands us in these verses, don't forget this. I broke my body so that I can do this, so that I can accomplish this for you. And then we look at verse 20, where Jesus says he took a cup. So, you know, we didn't take a little plastic beaker, but he took a cup and he gave thanks to God and said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, the Lord's Supper is a physical act. It's nothing more than that. We are taking just real bread. We're taking normal juice and normal wine, if you go to uh, some churches. There's nothing magical. There's nothing mystical about it. It is just a normal act. But it is a spiritual act. It does have full meaning and significance for those who have put their faith in Jesus. 
And what do I mean by this? Well, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, in Corinthians, he talks a lot about the Lord's Supper. And he says this, he writes this verse, and just bear with me on this verse. It's, it, you know, it's, it, it, just bear, I'll explain it to you. Okay. He says this in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing that we bless, so the Lord's Supper, communion, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? What's he saying here? Well, he's saying that when we partake in the Lord's Supper, that we partake in Christ's body and blood. Now, he's not saying we do that physically. Now, Catholic, the Catholic Church would say you are actually eating Jesus' body and drinking his blood, and that, that isn't true. I'm sorry, that's not true. <laughs> because we're not crucifying Jesus again. He's, he's crucified, he's risen from the dead. But we are partaking spiritually so that by faith in Jesus, we are nourished by the benefits of Jesus, of the benefits obtained by Jesus' death on the cross. By faith in Jesus, we appropriate, we receive, we enjoy what Jesus has done on the cross. Forgiveness of sins, renewed fellowship with God. And as we celebrate communion, as we walk our lives with Jesus, we can spiritually eat embrace, draw into our lives, nourish ourselves on the spiritual benefits that Jesus has obtained for us on the cross. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and we can nourish on the goodness that he has brought to our lives. All the promises of God are ours now. We've been singing about them this morning. Peace with God, which surpasses all understanding. Joy in Christ. Hope for the future. Freedom from fear. This is our promise. Security in, adver in adversity. You know, Jesus said, we will have troubles, but I am the rock that you can stand on. Guidance in perplexity. We have God's word, a, a lamp unto our feet. We have the Holy Spirit in us, drawing us to the Father, helping us understand what God's will is, what the, what the scriptures are saying. We have healing from sickness. Strength in temptation. Jesus was tempted in every way and yet never sinned. He understands our daily struggles with temptation. And you are now someone in Christ. Peter writes in, uh, Apostle Peter writes in, in the Bible, he says, once you were not a people, once you were, you were walking around lost, scrambling around in darkness, but now you have been called into the body of Christ. You are now the people of God. And again, if you feel you are nobody here this morning, listen to this truth. Listen to this promise from God that you are now part of God's people. You are part of the body of Christ, the church. You are joined, joined to God. Francis Chan says, we are joined to God. Jesus died to remove all of the obstacles that stop us from receiving these promises. And in the Lord's Supper and in life, as we take communion and just in life in general, we can now focus on everything that is ours in Christ. Because of Jesus, whether you feel worthy or not, if you put your faith in Jesus, we walk and exist in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's incredible.
And all of these promises are ours. And John Piper says it's as if a tidal wave of God's promises just flow over us. It's irresistible. We watched a film recently about a tidal wave, and you can't stop it. And this is what is coming over us, the promises of God. But I want to ask a question. Are you walking in that today? Are you walking honestly in all that Jesus has accomplished for you? Jesus said that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about the devil comes and pulls us away. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And it's so often the opposite as Christians, isn't it? As Christians, we have three enemies. We have the world, all the temporary things that entice us away from our faith, money, possessions, ideas, worldly attitudes. We have the flesh, our fleshly desires, some comfort, laziness, fear, sexual temptations, the devil, who is a real person, the Bible says he's prowling around, lying to you, distracting you, tempting you. There's a, Paul writes about, as I said, Paul writes about the Lord's Supper in Corinthians. And there's a, a couple of verses that I just felt challenged that I should read. And uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28. Let me read these to you and uh, we'll talk about them for a second. He says this, this is talking about communion. Let a person examine himself then, and so to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why so many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Now these are, these are heavy words, aren't they? These are words that are, we cannot, are sobering words. And... Uh, what was happening here in, in Corinth? Well, they had fallen, they had allowed worldly attitudes to penetrate their faith, and it, had man, it was manifesting in how they were doing worship. There was selfishness in the church, there, was divi- there were divisions, there was ambition, there was showing off, and Paul's rebuking them. He's, just, he's saying, you are despising the gift that God has given you, what God has promised, what God has given you. And you're abusing, you're not taking the grace of God seriously. Serious stuff. And Paul is saying, don't bring the world's attitudes into the church. And we just have to be so aware. This isn't about losing your salvation. This is about allowing worldly attitudes into our lives and not letting that that incredible promise take hold of us. Be aware. Be wise. Don't let the world, don't let your flesh, don't let the devil rob you of all that Jesus has accomplished for you. You know, we have hope. We have freedom. We have freedom from fear. We have security, guidance, healing, identity. These are the promises of God. Let's walk in those this morning. And then verse 18, as Jesus was handing around the cup, he said, For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. These are powerful and emotionally charged words, aren't they? Now, Jesus was, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And, but the disciples kind of had no idea, really. They, I think they maybe had an inclination, but they had no idea of the enormity of what was to come. And they had no idea what they would have to endure, but Jesus did. 
But he also knew that there was a purpose, what the purpose of it was, why he had to suffer, why he would be resurrected. He knew the purpose of it. There was hope to come. And we are eternal people here this morning. And we are being prepared for Jesus' return. Jesus is referring to the time when he will return. And we are being prepared for that. And the Bible uses the analogy of us as the church, the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ. And we are like a bride being prepared for the groom. And I, you know, as we were praying for John, and I've forgotten your, your Catherine's no, John and Catherine this morning. It's reminded me of when I got ready for my wedding. You know, practically, you know, we, we were looking at the ceremony. Who do we invite? Guests and food and emotionally, you know, dealing with fears and doubts. And, you know, can I do this? Am I mature enough? Well, I just want to say no one's ever mature enough to get married. But anyway, <laughs> that's part of the process. Spiritually, you know, reading about marriage and, you know, doing wedding classes with people. Physically, you know, doing exercises, trying to look the best I can, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> I'm sure you've done that, John. And likewise, the Bible says that we are being prepared to be presented to Jesus. The Bible puts it this way, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she, the church, might be holy and without blemish. God is committed to us. He's committed to you and me. He's making us more like Jesus on a daily basis to prepare us for this incredible wedding feast that Jesus is referring to, to prepare us for Jesus' return. He, uses, he, he, he matures us, he disciplines us, which is what he was doing in the church in Corinth, disciplining them. He allows things to happen, but he also blesses us. He also provides things for us. He guides us. He is preparing us for Jesus' return. And here at the Last Supper, Jesus is talking of this moment when he will return. He talks of a heavenly banquet that will take place where he will drink of the fruit of the vine with us. We will fellowship with Jesus. And what a return that will be. In the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, the Apostle John describes, in a, 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 describes a vision he has of what will be accomplished when Jesus returns. We see Jesus returning in his glory. We see the King of kings, the Lord of lords, eyes like fire. We see the armies of heaven behind him. He will execute final judgment. Every authority will bow before him. Every authority. We see Satan and evil and sin and death being destroyed forever. There will be a final judgment before the throne of God. Our deeds will be judged. Rewards will be given. Those found in Christ will be saved. But those who are not will be eternally punished. God will deal with every hurt and injustice. Justice will be done. I don't know if you've ever watched the news and you think, how did that person get away with that? How did that war criminal get away with that? Every, everything will be put right. Justice will be done at that final day. I also feel that there's people here this morning who are being laughed at and mocked and criticised for being Christians. I don't know whether that's work or in your family, I don't know. But I just, want, I just feel that Jesus wants to encourage you this morning that on that day, he, he will justify you. He will, he's got your back. He says, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before God. 
Jesus' bride, the church, us, will be presented spotless and clean. We will be joined with Christ forever. And there will be a great wedding feast. And we will enjoy this on a new heaven, a new earth, not a kind of weird, ethereal kind of you know, cloud land, a real place that will not be subject to pollution or decay. God will be there. We will have unhindered, unbroken fellowship with God forever. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more backaches, no more mourning, no more crying, no more baldness, no more pain. You'll be incredible. (laughs) And in all seriousness, a writer puts it this way, in the Lord's Supper, when we take communion, we experience a foretaste of this heavenly banquet. The Lord's Supper is an appetizer. I like that expression. It's an appetizer of the feast that will come on the day when Christ reunites heaven and earth. Let's let, let's let this stir us on. I love those verses that Joel Glover read out last Sunday. I'm going to read them to you now, and they're going to come up on the screen. From Corinthians, it says, Paul says, We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. You know, what is going on here, God? But we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, laughed at, mocked. But we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Do not lose heart. Though your outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. This is all going to be gone one day, these chairs and these lights and this building and everything else. But the things that are unseen are eternal. This is what we're working towards, isn't it? This is what we're part of. Let this be our hope. Come on, let this be our hope this morning. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And as we, before we do, I just want to read to you those words of Jesus again. And uh, I just also feel that God wants... I just have a word for some people in the room as well. Let me read these words to you. So Jesus said this. Okay, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, divide it amongst yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took some bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember what Jesus has done for us. Let's remember those incredible promises that are flowing over us like a tidal wave this morning. Freedom from fear, guidance in perplexity, hope, love. We are part of Christ's body. We are united with Christ. And then likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Let's remember that we are part of an eternal kingdom, that we are, getting, we are getting ready. Jesus is preparing us for a wonderful hope. And also, I really felt, as I've been thinking about this sermon for weeks, and 
a phrase has gone, been going through my, my mind, lost in the grass. And there's a really dodgy 80s film called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> and in that, they shrink, they're lost in the grass, they can't find a way out. And I just feel that there are people here this morning who are lost. You're lost in the grass. You can't find a way out. You maybe don't know Jesus, or maybe you do know Jesus, but you just, that kind of being lost just means something to you. And I just feel that God wants to say, open your eyes. Look up. Look to me. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, who has made everything possible for you to know God. Look to Jesus, who is wanting to prepare you and get you ready for an eternal glory and hope. And so let's do that this morning. As we sing this song, as we take communion, let's partake in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Okay.